but for our sermon this morning, we're continuing in our summer sermon series, Sacred Practices. Uh, we've been using this summer uh, to take a deeper dive into the eight sacred or spiritual practices that we've named as a church that we believe will help cultivate our life with God. Now, a good number of practices that we've preached on this, this summer already are practices of engagement. Right? We engage with Scripture. We engage in fellowship. We engage in prayer. This morning, we're going to look at a practice of disengagement, a practice of ceasing and stopping. And I'm more and more convinced that one of the great deficiencies in the American church is the ability to disengage, or uh, they're not able to disengage. Uh, we're not able to disengage. What we need more, I think, now than ever is guidance on how to stop and how to rest, to be still and know that he is God. And this is what the sacred practice of Sabbath is all about, rest. And so I'm going to ask you, if, you're, if you have a Bible, uh, to turn to the Gospel of Mark. It's in your bulletin. It's on the screen. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2 verse 23 through Mark chapter 3, verse 6. And if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to give attention to God's word on this spiritual practice of Sabbath. This is God's word to us this morning. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and, and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Pray with me. Lord God, we come to you this morning, the one who has given us the word of God and the scriptures, the one who himself is the word of God, and we pray that you would... Lord, write your word upon the tablet of our hearts this morning, that you would speak to us, that we might behold you, that we might find our deepest rest in you this morning, that we might know that you are Lord. Pray that the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts will be pleasing to you in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, the musical Hamilton by Lin-Manuel Miranda is hands down one of my favorite musicals of all time. Uh, a good number of you I know have watched it live or maybe you've seen it on TV. It is masterfully done. It's all about Alexander Hamilton and one of the founding fathers of our nation. And one of the main refrains that runs throughout the whole musical is who lives, who dies, who tells your story. And this is all consuming for Hamilton. 
He wants to write down and control his story so much that Aaron Burr sings, every day you write like, it's running, like you're running out of time. How do you write like tomorrow won't arrive? How do you write like you need it to survive? How do you write every second you're alive, every second you're alive? I mean, this man, Alexander Hamilton, is nonstop. Right? He's always writing. But in his quest to make a great name for himself, Hamilton loses friendships, his son, and he almost loses his wife. And there's this, this incredibly sad scene uh, where his family is going to the countryside for the summer and they beg him to come with them. And Eliza and Angelica sing, look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Take a break. But Hamilton refuses to rest. He refuses to stop, to stop the endless pursuit of making a name for himself. And in doing so, he missed out on his son, his family, his friendships, and by putting himself at the center of everything, he even loses his life. Hamilton couldn't stop because if he ever stopped, someone else might take center stage in the narrative. Well, this is what Sabbath is all about. It's an invitation to stop, to stop focusing on our own narrative, to stop trying to justify our own existence and to rest in the finished work of Jesus and to enjoy being in God's story. Stopping is difficult for us, right? We stay busy with the demands of home, the demands of school, the demands of our jobs, the demands of not wanting to miss out, the demands of wanting to get more, earn more, be more. Mark Buchanan, in his great book on the rest of God, reflects on being busy, and this is what he writes. He says, all the times I never swam in a cool lake with my children, or made a snowman or baked sugar cookies with them or lingered in bed with my wife on a Saturday or helped a friend in need all because I was in a hurry. Well, just that. I don't remember what. I was just in a hurry. We're so busy that we don't stop and we miss out on all that God is offering us. And even if we do stop our busyness, we still find ourselves connected to a digital world, living with constant digital distractions, right? Computers and smartphones with alerts and apps and alarms. We're constantly looking to stay in the know and to not miss out and to grow in our self-optimization. And in all of this, I think it reveals that we often live with the same motive as Alexander Hamilton, seeking to justify our existence living with ourselves at the center of the story. And Sabbath is a sacred practice of taking one day out of seven to stop and to rest and to be reminded that we are part of God's story and that he's the center of the narrative. Now, let me say this. It's not that six days are secular and one day the Sabbath is sacred. Sabbath is the one day that orients the other six days. They're all sacred to God. The Sabbath is set apart. A, a, a rabbi once said this, the three days that follow Sabbath are to be spent in reflection upon and remembering the one that just passed. And the three days leading up to Sabbath are spent in preparation for observing the one approaching. The Sabbath is the one day that helps us make sense of all the rest of our days. And the thing that Sabbath points to is Mark chapter 2, verse 28, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. 
And I want us to look at three things from our passage to understand this. We're going to look at the command, we're going to look at some anger, and we're going to look at a healing. Those are the three things we're going to look at. Let's first start with the command. Mark 2, 23. It says, One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they know the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, the Ten Commandments, they're listed in two places in the Old Testament. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And in Exodus chapter 20, this is what is written. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the seas and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The first thing to notice about the Sabbath day is that, is that it is a day of remembrance. And what do we remember? We are to remember God. We are to remember that God created the heavens and the earth. And when he finished creating, he rested. He stopped. In Genesis, it says that God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very good. And on the seventh day, he rested from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. And the point is this, is that when we rest on the Sabbath, we rest as a reflection of the God who rested in order to enjoy his good creation. Right, catch this. God did not rest because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. He's a God who never slumbers nor sleeps. God rested in order to enjoy his finished work, like an artist stepping back from the canvas to enjoy what she has made. God rests in order to delight in the order, uh, to delight in the order that he's made out of chaos. God rests in order to enjoy the warmth of the sun and the cool breeze, to behold the, the majesty of the mountains and the sandy beaches, to behold the glory of a sunset and a starry night. God rested because his finished work was very good. And so we rest and we take great delight and enjoy God's finished work of creation. We stop and we step back from our busyness, and we behold God and his goodness. Now, the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy 5 gives us a little bit different rationale for this command. In Deuteronomy 5, Israel is about to enter the promised land, and this is what is written in Deuteronomy 5. You shall remember, it's a day of remembrance, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So this is the interesting thing. We're being taught that this command of Sabbath is not just a day set apart to remind us of our Creator, but it's also a day set apart to remind us of our Redeemer. He says, remember that you were slaves. Remember that you were needy. Remember that you couldn't save yourselves, that I redeemed you. I stretched out my arm to deliver you. You are no longer slaves, so rest in what I've done for you as you enter the promised land. So the Sabbath is a day to stop and rest in our Creator and our Redeemer. We take this day, one day out of seven, 
and we locate ourselves in God's grand story of creation, fall, redemption, and ultimately consummation when we enter the promised land. And as we locate ourselves in God's story, we are set free from the tyranny of self-justification as we rest in God who has through Jesus redeemed us and is leading us all into the promised land. God is the center of the story. Now here's the thing about the Pharisees. They're taking this command, they're taking the law of God, and they're using it to keep themselves at the center of the story, which leads to some anger. Anger for the Pharisees and ultimately anger for Jesus. Uh, let's look at this anger. The, the Pharisees, they see Jesus and then his disciples plucking heads of grain, and they get angry because in their mind, Jesus and his friends are working on the Sabbath. Now, anger in our hearts is always a good thing to pay attention to. It is an emotional indicator that something under the hood is being disturbed. And anger often arises when a desire or a goal is being blocked. And the Pharisees are angry at Jesus and his disciples for working on the Sabbath. And this helps us to see that these teachers of the law think that law-keeping is the goal. And that one is justified, therefore rest is found through obedience to the law or through morality. And this is why Jesus said the Sabbath was made for, uh, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath's not the master. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And so I want to I encourage you this morning to examine closely what you get angry about. What do you get angry about in other people? What really chaps you when people do this or, or they don't do this? If you're a Christian this morning, I, I want to encourage you to be mindful that it is easy to play the, relig the religious game and, and that we as Christians can use the things that are according to God and we justify our anger at other people for not doing what God deems valuable. But it's more about ourselves than it is about God. If you're not a Christian, let me encourage you to examine your anger. What is the desire or the goal that you feel like is being blocked? I think examining this helps you to see what's your functional Lord, what's your ultimate master. Your anger may not be blatant for everyone to see, but I, and I bet a good number of you are, are pretty good at suppressing your anger. And so let me just say, beware of your fierce defensive assertion of your own righteousness. Be aware of your, of your fierce defensive assertion of your own righteousness and beware if you have a defensive criticism of others. This is anger signaling that we are looking to something besides Jesus to be our Lord. We're looking to something besides Jesus to be our security. We're looking to something besides Jesus to justify our existence. Jesus is saying all pursuits to find justification in any other place than me is a dead end. It will not give you the rest you are looking for. That's why Jesus invites us in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me and I will give you rest. Now the Pharisees aren't the only ones getting angry in our passage. Did you notice Jesus gets angry? After Jesus heals the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath and the Pharisees are scrutinizing Jesus, Jesus says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent, verse 5, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of heart. This isn't a picture of 
sweet, lowly, gentle Jesus. Here we get angry Jesus. And he's angry because his desire and his goal is being blocked. For Jesus wants all people to find their rest in God, to find their justification in God, to locate themselves in God's kingdom, and for God to be glorified as the center of the kingdom. Jesus is angry at the hard hearts of the Pharisees who think the Sabbath is about working to get God's approval. The Pharisees are so committed to doing nothing on the Sabbath because their self-justification is found in law-keeping that they're not loving or caring for those in need. The Pharisees are using the pursuit of their own righteousness to avoid giving rest, to avoid showing mercy, and to avoid helping the needy. And so Jesus is angry because Sabbath is about giving life and resting in salvation. They're, They're missing the very point of the Sabbath, which is to remember and reflect the glory of God as creator and redeemer. So we've looked at the command. We've looked at some anger. The last thing I want us to see is a healing. In chapter 2, verses 25 to 26, Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees for for plucking grain. Jesus talks then about how King David, when he was in need and hungry, took the bread of the presence, which was not lawful, ate it, and then gave it to those who were hungry. And then in verses 1 to 6 of chapter 3, Jesus is being watched to see if he's going to heal this man with a withered hand. And Jesus says, come here, stretch out your hand, and his hand was restored. And what Jesus is declaring in the telling of the David story and his healing of this man with a withered hand is that the Pharisees are missing the point of the fourth commandment and the story that it tells, which is this. You cannot save yourself by the strength of your own hand. You aren't strong enough. You're not smart enough or savvy enough. You are in need. So rest in God. For he is the one who delivers us from our weakness with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm. Listen, the Sabbath day could not give food to the hungry. And the Sabbath day could not give rest and healing to this man with the withered hand. Only Jesus can do that. For Jesus is Lord. And he's Lord of the Sabbath. And verse 6 tells us the Pharisees went out, immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. And most of us know the rest of the story, that they would eventually arrest Jesus and destroy him on the cross. And in the greatest reversal the world has ever known, Jesus stretched out his hands on the cross. And he took the sins of the world upon himself, and he bore our guilt and our shame in order to give us rest, to redeem us. It is by the outstretched, strong arms of our God that we are justified. And so we look to the cross and we hear Jesus say, it is finished. And three days later, Christ would rise from the dead so that God, like he did in the beginning with his creation, can step back and behold the glory of Christ in his recreative work and in his redemptive work. And through the work of Jesus, God is recreating. He is ushering in a new heaven and a new earth. And he is redeeming all that is broken in us and in the world. And so look to Jesus, brothers and sisters, and rest from your efforts to justify your existence by seeking the approval of other people, by the pursuit of money, by the pursuit of power or intellect, or by trying to attain the perfect family 
or through your own morality. We don't have to live by this narrative. We can enjoy God's story. You don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to prove your value. You don't have to secure the life you've always wanted. All we have to do is behold the outstretched arms of Christ and rest in his love. Sabbath is one day out of seven that orients all the other days to the truth that Jesus is Lord, creator and redeemer, and that our souls find rest in him alone. We are part of his great story and we can enjoy him. The poet Mary Oliver has a poem titled The Dream of My Life. And in it, she writes this, the dream of my life is to lie down by a slow river and stare at the light in the trees to learn something of being nothing, a little while, but the rich lens of attention. The rich lens of attention. Sabbath is the rich lens of attention. It's a day, it's a practice to stop and to rest and to behold the finished work of Jesus and to see and observe how God is unfolding his kingdom rule and his kingdom reign in our hearts and in this world day by day. The Sabbath is a day to behold God and a day for God to become bigger and bigger in our hearts and minds as creator and redeemer. C.S. Lewis, author of many books, but the series Chronicles of Narnia, many of you know, in his book, uh, in the series Prince Caspian, he's writing about the children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, and how they all have found themselves uh, with this long absence from Narnia. They haven't been in Narnia for a long time, and, and then they show back up. And I want to read this uh, it's a fairly long section from, from Prince Caspian. This is what Lewis writes. He goes, Aslan, if, which if you don't know is the Christ figure in the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan, the great king and lion is nowhere to be seen. Lucy, the youngest of children, particularly aches to see him. One night she wakes to a great stirring in the forest to a voice calling her. While the other children sleep, she ventures forth through the woods into a clearing. A circle of grass, smooth as a lawn, met her eyes with dark trees dancing all around it. And then, oh joy, for he was there. The huge lion shining white in the moonlight with his huge black shadow underneath him. But for the movement of his tail, he might have been a stone lion. But, but Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether he was friendly, a friendly lion or not. She rushed to him. She felt her heart would burst if she lost a moment. And the next thing she knew was that she was kissing him and putting her arms as far around his neck as she could and burying her face in the beautiful, rich silkness of his mane. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobs Lucy, at last... And the great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting and half lying between his front paws. He bent forward, and he just touched her nose with his tongue. And his warm breath came all around her, and she gazed up into his large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you are bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Christ Central, every year we grow, may we find our God bigger. And every Sabbath is a day to grow and experience the greatness of our God, that he is our creator and our redeemer 
and we are part of his kingdom. He's the center of the story. And so we can rest in him and we can enjoy him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would give rest to our weary souls. How easy it is to feel like we're the center of our own narrative, to justify our existence in so many different ways. And Lord, I know uh, there's not just one way we do that. All of us in this room do it in multiple ways in a day and uh, all the time looking to different things besides you. And we thank you that on this day, the Lord's day, the Sabbath day, you've given us this time to be together and you're reminding us yet again that you are creator and you are redeemer. And with the outstretched arms of Christ, it is finished and you are bringing the new heavens and new earth to bear and you are redeeming all that is wrong in this world. And so may we find rest in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.